You are listening to the teaching podcast of Praise Community Church in Mason City, Iowa. For more information about our church, please visit praisecc.org. When Gerber first started uh, selling baby food in Africa, they used the same type of packaging that they used here uh, in the United States, you know, with that really cute baby there on the label. Later out, they found out that in Africa, companies would routinely put pictures on the label of what's inside the jar since most people couldn't read. When Coca-Cola first shipped to China, they named the product something that when pronounced, it sounded like Coca-Cola. The only problem was, was that the characters they used literally meant bite the wax tadpole. (laughs) Later, they changed it to a set of characters that meant happiness in the mouth. Now, when Pepsi started marketing in China, they translated their slogan at that time, which was, Pepsi brings you back to life. And they they kind of did that literally, and the slogan in Chinese actually read, Pepsi brings your ancestors, your, uh, ancestors back from the grave. <laughs> Coors put its slogan, turn it loose, um, where in Spanish it was really um, translated as suffer from diarrhea. The Chevy Nova never sold well in Spanish-speaking countries. Nova means it does not go. (laughs) Sometimes the things that we say aren't exactly what we intended to convey. And sometimes we can unknowingly send the wrong message. Proverbs 11.11 says this, good people bless and build up their city, but the wicked can destroy it with their words. And the point there is, is we have a choice. We have options. We can either build up or we can tear down. With our words, we can develop or destroy. We can help or we can heal. We can hurt or we can harm through our choice of words. These last few weeks, we've been looking at ways that we can just start the new year off right And so far we've been talking about just the importance of being in God's word on a daily basis. And again, I just wanna just continue to encourage people, uh, even if you've kind of gotten off track or maybe you haven't even gotten started yet, we're just encouraging everybody to try to read through the New Testament uh, through uh, this year. Uh, For those of you that are really ambitious, uh, we've got Bible reading plans outside there on the welcome table that'll get you through the whole Bible uh, in a year. We're just encouraging people, get into God's word. Because one of the things that we know is as we allow God's word to kind of penetrate our hearts, we know that it has the power to transform our hearts. And when the word of God begins to transform our hearts, it will begin to transform the way we think and the way we speak. We've also been looking at ways just to get kind of free from fear because many of the issues that really hold us back from really preventing us from being all that God is calling or has designed us to be um, are issues um, that are a form of fear. So we talked about, again, how God's perfect antidote to fear, the only antidote to fear is his perfect love. This morning, I wanna just talk about for just a moment the impact of our words And not only how it can really affect our lives, the direction of our lives, but how it can also affect others and affect the direction of their lives. 
God wants us to use our words as instruments to bless other people. But God doesn't force us. We have a choice. Proverbs 18.21 says, words kill and words give life. They're either poison or fruit. You choose. Today we're gonna to talk about three ways you can transform not just your life, but the life of those around you. How to bless other people with your words. First is you bless others when you offer mercy. The truth is we all stumble from time to time. We all make mistakes. We all blow it. We all do things we shouldn't do. We don't do things we know we should do. We all fail, we make mistakes. Every one of us in this room are imperfect. And like the apostle Paul said, I am the chiefest of the mistake makers. So every one of us at times, because of our imperfections, our mistakes, our failures, every one of us at some point in our lives need massive doses of mercy. Since we're all imperfect, this may be the most important or common way to bless other people. When people around you make a mistake, whether it's at school, whether it's at home, whether it's in your uh, family, what do you do? How do you handle that? Here's what Paul recommends in 2 Corinthians 2.7. He says, when people sin, you should forgive and comfort them so they don't give up in despair. It's what you do after people make a mistake, when people fail. It's what you do after that that's the most important thing. Do you write them off? Do you put them on your blacklist? Do you hold a grudge and say, I'm not gonna associate with you anymore? I'm not gonna talk to you? Or do you do as the Bible says, that you comfort and you forgive so that they don't give up in despair? Mercy, it is an attitude, it is an attribute of God. It's amazing that over a hundred times, just in the Old Testament, it talks about how God is merciful. And what is interesting to me is that you study the Bible, wherever you find the words mercy and peace, when they're found together, they occur in that exact order. Mercy is the act of God. Peace is the resulting experience in our hearts. Mercy is the it describes God's attitude toward the sinner and the rebellious. Mercy is his attribute. It's his response towards those who are in distress. Now, here's the thing. If you're ever going to learn to be like God, if you're ever going to mature, if you're ever going to grow and become more and more like Jesus, you must learn to be merciful. The Bible says in Ephesians 2.4, God is rich in mercy. And the idea there is that God's mercy, it is inexhaustible. But here's the problem. The only way to learn mercy is by experiencing hurt. Let me just stop. I just, that just needs to sink in this morning. The only way we are gonna learn mercy is by experiencing hurt. That's the only way we're gonna learn to be merciful. You see, if nobody ever hurts you, you never have to be merciful and forgive anybody. And if you never have to respond with mercy and forgive anybody, you're never gonna mature and you're never ever gonna become more godly. So here's the thing, God is gonna allow, he's not the cause of it, 
But there are times where God's gonna allow some hurts, some difficulties, some challenges in your life where you can use that because nothing's ever wasted with God. But you can take those opportunities where you experience hurt and, and disappointment, betrayal, frustrations, and you can just learn how to offer mercy. Mercy is simply just treating people the way God treats them, the way God treats us. Grace is God giving us what we don't deserve. Mercy is God withholding from us what we do deserve. And again, when we choose, and again, it's a choice. When we choose to act in mercy, when we choose to express mercy to others, it is us becoming more and more like God. When we choose to be merciful towards others, we are withholding from them what they may rightly deserve. So every time you're hurt, every time someone does something that, that doesn't set well with you, you have a choice. Am I gonna use my energy for retaliation or reconciliation? Am I gonna use my energy, or my energy to, to bless them or to blast them? Am I gonna use my energy for revenge or am I gonna use it for restoration? You don't have enough energy to do both. God says, I want you to bless people. When they blow it, when they make mistakes, when they hurt you, when they let you down, show them mercy. I have shown you mercy. I want you now to show mercy to them. The Old Testament character, Job gives an excellent example and expression of mercy. He had a friend named Eliphaz who said this about Job in chapter four, verse four. He said, when someone stumbled, you lifted him up with your words. Isn't that powerful? I love that. You lifted him up with your words. How do you do that? When someone makes a mistake, when someone blows it, when someone sins around you, do you lift them up with your words? Another thing, you help them focus on what's left and not what's lost. When people make a mistake, they always lose something. But no matter how much you may lose, there's always something left. Something good to focus on, something to learn from. So sometimes in that expression of mercy, you just help them focus on what's left, not on what is lost. It's showing mercy to people. When people blow it, when people make mistakes, when people fail you, they're not looking for a sermon. They need mercy. The thing I have found is that mercy is kind of like a revolving door. The more that you receive, the more that you give mercy, the more you receive mercy. Matthew 5, 7 says, God blesses those who are merciful for they will be shown mercy. You want God to bless your life? Then start blessing others with mercy. So you just stop and ask yourself this question. Who needs your mercy today? Who needs you to be merciful towards them? Not accusatory, not blaming, not finger pointing. Who needs your mercy this morning? Write that down. Make a point this week 
that you're going to find an opportunity to show and to express mercy towards that person. Now there's a second way you can bless others with your words, and that is you bless others when you express empathy. When you express empathy, you do what the Bible says in Colossians 3.12, as holy people be tender-hearted, kind, humble, gentle, and patient. Those words there, those are all components of empathy. Now a lot of us are good at being sympathetic, but a lot of times we lack empathy. How many of you have opened up to a friend or a family member about a terrible situation that maybe happened in your life? And that person kind of responds with statements like, oh wow, that really stinks. Or wow, that would make me mad too. Or the helpful phrase, well, you know, it could have been a lot worse. All of those statements, they kind of imply, you know, a sense of sympathy, but they lack empathy. When you're going through a significant crisis with no easy fix, sympathy can often feel just dismissive. Though the person doesn't mean to, it feels like they're trying to make you or make the problem seem not so bad or that we're, you know, somehow still, you know, lucky, it could have been worse. And instead of feeling like that person is there for you, that might have made you feel like you're more alone in your problem than ever. That's why it's important for us to learn the difference between sympathy and empathy. It's why it's important for us to learn how to empathize with people. Author and researcher Dr. Uh, Brene Brown describes sympathy as seeing a friend at the bottom of a deep, dark hole and shouting, oh, it's bad. Whereas empathy is climbing down to where they are and saying, now I know what it's like being down here. Empathy goes beyond feeling compassion for their loss. It's the ability to really put yourself in the place of another and understand someone else's feelings by being able to just identify with them. With empathy, you put yourself in another person's shoes and you view the situation as best you can through their eyes, through their experience. And you then get a real sense of what it is that they're going through, what the situation may be really like, even though you may not feel the way that they feel. Rather than just feeling bad for the person, showing empathy involves sharing in their feelings. A good biblical picture of what empathy is, is I think what the Apostle Paul describes there in Romans 12, 15. He says, weep with those who weep and rejoice with those who rejoice. Empathy is being able to understand and affirm someone else's feelings even though you may not feel the pain the way they do. Not just their experience, but their feelings, what they're going through at that moment. Empathy says, I understand what your heart is feeling. I understand what your heart is going through at this moment, and I'm here for you. I'm in this with you, and I share your pain. Empathy is very, very powerful because it meets two of the most basic human needs. First of all, it meets a need every one of us has in this room, and that is the need to feel like I am understood. Someone else understands me. 
Empathy says, I understand what you're going through. I see that life is difficult right now. Not too long ago, I was listening to someone talk about artificial intelligence and they were kind of talking about some of the pros and cons of that. And you're starting to kind of see artificial intelligence just popping up everywhere in every, in every sector of society. And they said one of the downsides, um, one of the upsides they said was that within 10 years, artificial intelligence would be able to diagnose medical ailments um, with more accuracy than any doctor. So they would be able to kind of tell you exactly what's wrong with you. Now they said the downside to that technology is that AI will never ever replace the doctor or the nurse in delivering those results especially in cases where it's terminal. I mean, could you imagine what it would feel like to have a robot tell you, you have cancer, you have six months or less to live, go home and get your life in order. So again, no matter how advanced AI becomes, it will never ever be able to produce or express empathy. We're going through tough times. We need a human touch. Sometimes we just need that person to look us eye to eye. We need a human voice that can understand and empathize with where we're at and what we're going through. Empathy also meets a second basic need that we all have, which is to know that my feelings are validated. To realize I'm not so strange. There's nothing wrong with me. Everybody has had feelings like these at times in their lives. I cannot tell you the number of times as a pastor that I've sat across and am talking to somebody and I look at them and say, you know, everyone has felt what you're feeling. Everybody has gone through what you're going through. And just this wave of relief that comes over their face. We all have this basic human need to know, I am not weird. Now you may be, but you're, you're not weird. And it's a good thing to know sometimes in life that there's nothing wrong with me. Everybody's gone through this. Everybody has felt what I'm feeling at one point in their life. Another great biblical way to show empathy is found in Galatians 6.2. Share each other's troubles and problems and in this way fulfill the law of Christ. Man, I wished I could take that one sentence and just apply that in every area of life. I don't know about you. I look at a statement like that. Share each other's troubles and problems and in this way fulfill the law of Christ. That's easy to read. It is so difficult and it is so challenging to do, at least for me, I don't know about you. Because the way that we fulfill that uh, is what uh, the scriptures call loving one another. When we just love one another, the way God loves us, the way Jesus loves us, when we just love one another, we will fulfill the law of Christ. There are circumstances that we go through in life where you're not sure sometimes, is God even there? Does God even know what I'm going through? You've been you know, beaten down by life 
And sometimes it's just hard to look up to God. Maybe you hear that your you know, child's gonna be born with birth defects. You wonder, God, where are you? Maybe you face challenges. I know when Janie and I went through miscarriages, I mean, we were, we were shocked to find out how many other people experienced that as well. We kind of thought that that was just something that maybe was just odd or something was wrong with us. And as we kind of began to share our story, other people began to share theirs. And we realized, yeah, there's a lot of people that have been affected by this. And we were able to kind of learn uh, from other people as they went through that journey. Or maybe your spouse has walked out on you and you just kind of feel like God went with them. And you feel like, how could he let this happen? Or you get a report from the doctor and they'll say it's cancer, it's inoperable. And again, you wonder, where is God in all of this? It's in that moment that you just need a word of empathy. If you know somebody like that, they need somebody to come beside him and say, you know what, I understand what you're going through. Been there and I'm gonna walk with you through this. And again, God has given us words as just incredible, powerful tools to make a difference, to make an impact. Remember the story in the Old Testament, the Tower of Babel, they're building uh, a tower, and God stopped that because they were so prideful. And he stopped it by taking away their most important tool. And you notice, God doesn't take away their hammer. He doesn't take away the chisels. He doesn't take away the ladders. He takes away their words. That is the most powerful tool we have. And again, you can use them to build. You can use them to tear down. Words can wound a child's heart. Words can shatter a husband's dream. Words can, can completely decimate a wife's self-esteem. Or you can use words to build another person's life. And again, do you realize the power, the potential you have this week to change and to impact somebody's life through your words? So again, the question is, who will I bless this week with a word of empathy? Who needs to hear that word from you today? I am with you, I am in this with you, I'm not going anywhere because you bless people when you offer mercy, you express sympathy, or empathy, and lastly, you bless others when you affirm them expectantly. There are so many studies out there that show affirmation and expectation are tremendous tools to bring out the best in other people. A lot of us, we kind of tend to live up to the expectations of other people, what people expect of us. When people raise our value, by expecting more of us, we just tend to rise to the occasion by affirming and expecting you actually encourage. And the Bible says in 1 Thessalonians 5.11, encourage one another and build each other up. That is not a one-time statement. It is, it's an ongoing day by day. Every time we gather together as a family, it is an opportunity to encourage and to build one another up. You never know when a simple little word of, of encouragement is just gonna change somebody's life. It may just be a throwaway phrase to you, but it may be, it may be kind of destiny changing for other people. Affirmation is a powerful tool. It's just a simple, it's an easy, and it's really even a fun way just to bless other people. 
The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 13, seven, if you love somebody, you'll always expect the best of them. So let me give you just, as I close here this morning, I wanna just give you three ways to bring out the best in people around you. And it doesn't matter if you're a parent, a coach, a teacher, an employee, or just a student. If you wanna really strive to bring out the best in people, if you wanna bring out the best in your children, if you wanna bring out the best in loved ones, you need to do these three things. Number one is admire their uniqueness. Don't just tolerate it. Don't just put up with it. Everyone has some uniqueness about themselves that can be acknowledged and admired. And again, don't just accept it. I'm saying admire the fact that they are uniquely different from you. They are not you. So admire their differences. Jesus seems to do this when he calls the brother James and John to be his disciples. In Mark 3, 17, it says, James and John, the sons of Zebedee, but Jesus nicknamed them sons of thunder. James and John, there must have been something about their, their characteristics. Maybe it was their attitude. Maybe it was just, you know, their fiery words. I don't know, but Jesus sees something about them so thunderous that he kind of admires their uniqueness and he kind of affirms that. He doesn't rebuke them. He doesn't tell them to knock it off. He kind of sees that and says, hey, that's kind of unique. I'll just call them the sons of thunder. I remember when I was in junior high school, I played on the basketball team, which was, I mean, no major accomplishment because even if you didn't have arms or legs, you could play on the junior high basketball team. Well, that wasn't true in high school. The high school I went to, you had to be the cream of the crop to even get on the basketball team. So I played on the basketball team in junior high school, and I'm just gonna be honest with you, I was horrible. I was horrible. I could not run and dribble at the same time without tripping over my own two feet, no matter how much I practiced that. If somebody started coming at me when I had the ball, I, I just freaked out. I didn't know what to do. I could not shoot the basketball and come anywhere near the hoop. I could never figure out the plays. We would, we would practice these plays and we would be on the floor and the coach would call these plays and, and it'd just be like, I don't know where I was supposed to go. I didn't know what I was supposed to do, but I had this knack of being everywhere I wasn't supposed to be doing everything I wasn't supposed to be doing. I was horrible. I was in the marching band. I was first chair trombone and I could never play and march at the same time. I had to do one or the other. So when, when we were standing still, I would play. When we had to start moving, I would stop playing because you had to count. You know, in the marching band, they'd be like, okay, you're, you're gonna go 40 steps and then you're gonna turn to the right. And there's just no way I could play and be counting. And then on top of that, I've got to go right rather than left. And so what I did, and this is true, um, is I actually had to put R and L on my shoes just to eliminate the overload, the mental overload I was feeling in marching band. So if you know, I'm counting 40, I don't have to try to then think to, you know, what, which way's right or left. It just looked down at my shoes and went whatever way the shoes were. 
So I, I did not possess a lot of multitasking abilities when I was in junior high, high school. I don't know that I do today. But I was horrible in playing basketball. But the one thing, the one thing that I had that nobody else on that team had was height. I had the longest arms, I had the longest legs. And that's what they basically told me, was you know what, you can, you, you can get in there and I could steal that basketball from anybody like taking candy from a baby. I could reach in, because I had long arms. I could outrun just about anybody on the floor I could rebound. I mean, there just was nobody that could get the ball better than I could. So the coach put me in the game, and here's what he told me. Now, all I want you to do is just get the ball from the other team. And the minute you get the ball, you give it to somebody else. I don't want you dribbling it. God knows I don't want you to try shooting that thing. I just want you to get the ball and just get it to somebody else as fast as you can. So that's what I did. There's one game where I think I'd stolen the ball or I'd stuffed the ball like 15 times. I remember one big game we won where it was a really, really close game against a really tough team. And after the game, we're all standing in the huddle with our coach and we're just celebrating our victory and we're high-fiving each other. And the coach looked at us and he says, you guys played a great game out there tonight. And then he looked at me and he said, even you, Dolan. <laughs> I was beaming because even though I was horrible at the overall game, he admired my unique contribution to the game. That's the first one. Appreciate, admire their uniqueness. Everybody has something to give. Everybody has something to offer. Second one is appreciate their value. That coach, man, he appreciated my value to the team, even though it was quite limited. And again, when you appreciate people's value, it brings out the best in them. If you've ever brought a home, you know the meaning of appreciation. Appreciation means to raise in value. If you've ever bought a new car and driven it off the parking lot, you will instantly understand the whole thing of depreciation. Because the moment you bought it and drove it off the lot, it depreciated. Man, every time you appreciate your wife, you raise her value. Parents, every time you appreciate your children, you raise their value. To appreciate means to make them more valuable in your eyes and in everyone else's eyes. You bring out their best through appreciation. The third one is just affirm their ability. That's how you bring out the best in other people. You just simply say to them, you can do this. You got this, I know you can do this. You're empowered to do this. I believe you can do this. You give and inspire them with confidence. So here's the question, who will I bless with affirmation this week? Who could you just give a word of encouragement to this week? I don't know if you noticed it or not, but these three Blessings, these three things of blessing others are just exactly the way God blesses us. 
God does these same three things for every one of us. He offers us endless amounts of mercy. The word says that his mercies are new each morning. He expresses empathy for our hurts. And he affirms every one of us expectantly. So again, here's the key. You can't just offer these to people unless you first receive them from God. And the reason for that is because if our pot's empty, we can't give to others what we don't have ourselves. So we just need to accept these things from God. And you can't treat people the way Jesus would unless you've got Jesus in you. And this is all, again, by the power of the presence of the Holy Spirit. And I'm not talking about just being a Christian. I'm talking about having it at the center and the core of your life. Then and only then can you do these things. So that's where I want to kind of leave the challenge this morning. Maybe some of you here this morning, maybe you just need to uh, take some time and to, uh, to bless your spouse. Maybe through, again, just a word of encouragement. Maybe it's just offering mercy. I mean, maybe there's something that, that happened, something that they did that hurts you, that, that upsets you, and, and you're not sure how to respond to that this morning. I would say to you this morning, offer them mercy. Maybe you just need to give a word of encouragement to them this morning. Maybe again, it's just forgiveness. But I just wanna encourage you this week, and what I, what I wanna also encourage you to do is, is look for it, ask for it this week. I mean, I'm, I'm amazed at how many times Jesus went way out of his way for one person. Maybe this week you just need to go out of your way Maybe you need to just set some time aside with somebody. Got a busy week, but again, you're gonna go out of your way this week. Maybe, maybe it's that you're you know, gonna need to just maybe drive somewhere. Maybe that person is you know, in another state or another city, and, and this week you just need to go out of your way. You need to make an effort at really kind of connecting with them. I know that we're in a culture right now where people are feeling so beaten down, people are feeling so discouraged. And it's our job as the body of Christ, it's our job uh, as a family here to be able to encourage and to build one another up. And so this morning, I just wanna just encourage you as we uh, just close this morning, maybe there's somebody here this morning that God's kinda just gonna put it on your heart that you need to offer them a word of encouragement. Maybe it's just a, a word of, of empathy. And then as you walk out of this place this morning, again, it's just asking God to open the eyes of your heart. You know, and just see, are there, are there people in my workplace? Are there people in my neighborhood? Are there people in my family that, that could, could use a word uh, of, of mercy, a word of encouragement this morning? So as we kind of stand together and, and just close in our time, I wanna just uh, ask you if God would, would bring somebody um, to your heart uh, this morning. Maybe God brings somebody to your mind this morning that you just need to maybe kind of go out of your way. You just need to make an effort this week to, to kind of bless them uh, with your words. So let's just go ahead and stand uh, together this morning. Father, we just thank you so much for your power, your presence here this morning. 
And God, oftentimes it's, it's just so much easier to see the things that are hurting in us that we lose sight of where others may be hurting this morning. Or maybe we just make the mistake of kind of thinking everything's great in my life and we just assume or we extrapolate that everything's great with everyone else. So I just pray for those here this morning that maybe are here that really are discouraged. Maybe they feel alone in their experience or maybe they feel alone in their feelings this morning. And Father, I just pray that as you move through this body this morning that we would be people who would offer comfort, that we would offer encouragement so that people are not left in a place of despair. So Father, I just pray, Lord, just start here in this room this morning. Again, just make our hearts sensitive to the needs of, of other people here in this room this morning. And then God, as we move out of these doors and into our homes, into our workplaces this week, that God, we would also just have a sensitivity toward the needs of others that are around us. And that Lord, we would not minimize our abilities. We would not minimize your power to use us, Lord to just speak words of encouragement, words of hope, words of healing. That sometimes we may feel like Moses. We may feel like there's other people who can speak better. And we make the mistake of just leaving it to someone else. When you've called us to be your voice, So just pray for a boldness for us this week. Oftentimes we have a boldness to talk about the things that are wrong, the things that we don't like. But oftentimes we lack that boldness to speak about the things that are good. So God, I just pray for just a boldness and a courage, Lord, that we'll use our words to build others up and to not tear down. There's so much and so many in our culture today that are tearing down and are destroying. Yet God, you've called us to be different, to be builders, to be encouragers. So Father, we just pray again, just open our eyes, open our hearts, God, that we see those opportunities and that we not just see them, but we seize them. And Father, we thank you for the ability to speak. We thank you for the ability to choose our words. And Father, this week I pray that we would choose words that build, that heal, that unify. So Father, we just again thank you for all of these ways 
that you show these toward us. We thank you for your mercy that no matter what's happened up to this point, we can choose to go out of here different, transformed, healed, united, that we can leave those things in the past and that we can move forward. So Father, this morning we just ask, Lord, that you would again just be at work in this body through our words. Father, again, we just thank you for this time together this morning. We thank you for your Holy Spirit. We thank you that we can hear. That we can hear you speaking. We can hear you leading us. Father, I thank you that we can hear you as you encourage us, as you bless us. And that we can offer that to others as well. And we just thank you for all of this. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening. For more information about Praise Community Church, including gathering times and events, please visit us at praisecc.org.